Good morning. Welcome to our worship service this morning. My name is Pastor Mel Jacob. It's my privilege to be with you again today over the last, I think the last time I was here was around the Christmas holidays. I had a very warm feeling uh, leading you in worship, so I felt very good about being able to come again today. Certainly we remember Pastor Dan as he continues to recover from his surgery. And I want to welcome our, our visitors in particular this morning, one of which who's very special. It's my wife, Mary, who's joined me uh, this day. Uh, today is really a, a unique day, a unique Sunday. Maybe you've noticed that our second lessons in August all come from the book of Hebrews. And that's true in all the Sundays in August. This happens probably once every uh, 15 years or so, depending upon when Easter falls and the, and the particular series of lessons that are chosen are given. Uh, my sermon today will be based on basically on the book of Hebrews as opposed to uh, the gospel lesson itself. Uh, August is a word that uh, carries its own meaning, and I looked it up because I thought, I thought it had application to our, to our worship today. Namely, that the term itself means inspiring, means reverence, and means admiration. And certainly the book of Hebrews carries that and how it fits into the uh, various books of the New Testament and following of the Old Testament. And your bulletin also, you will find, I, the secretary put a little bit of my resume in there. Uh, I always say that the uh, most important part of my resume is being Mary Jacob's husband. Uh, but there is other information there. Adjunct to most of my ministry, and most of that occurred in Florida, was uh, some of what I've done in retirement. And there is a story uh, that will be included in my sermon about that, which is more recent. And then a second part uh, dealing with my role in the Army Reserve as a chaplain that occurred a number of years ago, and that will also be uh, contained. But uh, these two adjunct ministry activities have a lot of meaning for me as I reflect on my uh, now uh, close to 48 years of ordination. And it's so good, as mentioned earlier, to be with you and to lead you in worship today. In the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrew, we find a very familiar phrase. It says, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We experience Jesus again this morning. God bless your worship today. Stand as you are able.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, mighty and immortal, you know that as fragile creatures surrounded by great dangers, we cannot by ourselves stand upright. Give us strength of mind and body so that even when we suffer because of human sin, we may rise victorious through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. 
Be seated. The first lesson comes from Isaiah chapter 58. God promises those who have returned from exile that where justice and mercy prevail, the ruins will be rebuilt and light will rise in the darkness. It is a day of new beginnings. A reading from Isaiah. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Word of God, word of light. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Using images of Moses, the writer presents a striking vision of the new covenant of God made possible in Christ. There is no longer fear, only awe in the new promise in Christ into which we are invited. A reading from Hebrews. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and groom and gloom and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. For they cannot endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So that you don't, do not refuse the one who's speaking, for they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth. How much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? 
At that time, his voice shook the earth, and now he has promised, yet one more time, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. Let us love, let our love for others continue. Word of God, word of life. Be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues of the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand upright. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing, the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Just as an aside, someone pulpit supplying does not do it alone, and I'm always grateful to be with Kyle, who's always helpful, and today with Carol Ann, because they are a very important part of our worship and the meaning of this Sunday together. I would like to read the first verse from the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us, aside every, let us set aside every weight and sin 
that cling so closely. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. How many of you think of Godspell, 1973? A musical that got a lot of popularity. And that tune, Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord, has a lingering effect in how it catches the spirit. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way. About six weeks ago, I attended a Zoom conference of speakers of an interfaith Christian organization that I've been part of for about five or six years entitled Food for the Poor that provides not only food but also educational services, micro-enterprises, uh, health care to literally millions, begun primarily in the 17 countries in the Caribbean and Central America, but has expanded. Even cargo container loads of food and supplies were given to those fellow Americans who were hit by the disastrous floods in Kentucky. It's an organization that this executive, new executive director is the third one in 40 years. Very gifted, a very stable organization. And as he worked with speakers, and there are about 70 of us, about a third are Lutheran, about half are Roman Catholic, priest, retired, some Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Methodists. And we go to different churches on particular Sundays that there may be a need. When the new executive director began to his Zoom presentation, in the background was the music of Prepare Ye the Way. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. What is he going to do with this? What is he going to do with this? He began to emphasize the importance of the Lord in the common faith that all of us hold in Christ our Lord and his own. But then he talked about structural changes and different ways of doing things, as you would expect, as there's a change over in leadership, as the previous one had retired. Prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way. It literally could be the theme song of the book of Hebrews. The theme song of the book of Hebrews. For a few decades after Jesus walked on this earth, there was no church as such, but rather gatherings of followers of Jesus. And the writer of the book of Hebrews was concerned about a particular gathering or a group of gatherings that were composed primarily of those who were of the Jewish background which was the only established religion at that time, and the Roman government was a pantheistic government with many different gods. And there was disappointment. There was lacks in 
what was being done, there was indifference and discouragement to which the writer of the Hebrews was very much aware and addressed this situation at that particular time. Tenuous, amorphous, shaky at best were the faith communities. But then he goes in this book of Hebrews and grounds them, grounds them in the faith of the millennia and the promise of that which had occurred thousands of years before, even at the point of creation, and then to Abraham. As we remember, he was the one who received God's covenant and the promise that from his seed, a nation would follow the children of Israel. And indeed, he was faithful to that promise. And then it carries on, and we read in the book of Hebrews of how others followed the example of Abraham, including Isaac and Jacob. And we know the various ones in the Old Testament that in faith believed in the promise and carried that banner through their life in perseverance and assurance. There's witness of in the faith wasn't transitory, which made me think, which made me think of the adventures of Tom Sawyer, Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens. You possibly know the story of how Tom had a good friend, Huck Finn, and Huck Finn was a rather mischievous person. He was a kind of, had a ne'er-do-well reputation in this little town that they lived. And Tom explains that one Sunday, Huck finally attended worship with him and went down the aisle with an act of conversion that all the community noticed. But then at the end, there was a little sly comment from Tom in which he said, the preacher was so good that Tom stayed converted until Tuesday. <laughs> Hebrews goes to great lengths to prepare the way for centuries, for millennial, for millennia prior to the birth of Jesus. The Exodus, the Judges, the Prophets, the Kings. We read in, even in the book of Psalms, a reference to this endurance. Psalm 119, for instance. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. If you are determined to memorize a chapter of the Bible, I don't recommend this chapter because it contains 176 verses. But in verses 89 and 90, we read, The Lord, your word is firmly fixed, firmly fixed. Your faithfulness endures, endures into the generations. In the lesson that I began, it speaks of the great cloud of witnesses, the great cloud the genealogy of assurances in faith, the trustworthiness, 
for the way to come, for the way to come, which became Jesus. With certainly the ravages and the brokenness of hearts, the selfishness of sin that we can find in Joseph and the brothers of Joseph that led to him going into Egypt. Within the realities of the losses and the unwanted changes that the judges of the Old Testament continued to address. And how about the difficulties of letting go? Remember the children of Israel after the Exodus in the desert region, they began to murmur and grumble, why don't we return back to the familiar and not to the promise that lies ahead? Hebrews. The book of Hebrews offers, invites, and challenges us around this very central thought. Faith-filled promise can be relied upon. Trust and believe. And in the soil, in the soil of the century and the millennia that occurred in those clouds of witnesses, we read these words from Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter, that Jesus came to fulfill all the law and the prophets. Martin Luther writes, faith is permitting ourselves to be sieged, to be sieged, to be taken hold of by that which we do not see. But what we do see today, what we do see among us can be challenging to faith. Two and a half years of dealing with a pandemic of which caution is still a wise course of action. My wife just told me one of our really good friends in Atlanta says that he has caught COVID for the second time this weekend. Living in a culture of mine, mine, mine. Living in a culture of consumption that tends to be focused on my interest and tends to be focused on my self-serving. And a divided government. What we do see can be challenges and often are challenges to our faith in which the perishables of our purchases can become so important only to discover after a while that they don't endure either. From John's Gospel in the sixth chapter we read, we do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures. To receive and have a message planted of endurance, of faithfulness, of promise, of the suffering one, as the writer of Hebrews presents, of the suffering one who knows human frailties, of the same suffering one who went to the cross 
beyond his own fatigue and sense of betrayal, who knew death itself, of the one who persevered over sin, death, and evil, because he loves you and me. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, we read, Jesus, the ultimate model of endurance to bring hope, to bring redemption, to bring grace. To run the race with perseverance. That's how the author of a Hebrew explain, explains it. Run the race with perseverance. A good while back, I had the opportunity, it was a transformative opportunity. One of the members of the transportation command of which I was a chaplain was wounded in Iraq and I went to visit him at Walter Reed. Arrived a Friday afternoon and I was immediately invited I was immediately invited to a dinner, to a dinner that was being offered to the soldiers who were wounded in the orthopedic area. Sure, I'd like to. Buses carried the patients. And an African-American man, took me on a van, and we arrived at this very exclusive restaurant in downtown Washington, D.C. And the owner of that restaurant, every couple of months or so, opened up the basement for a large banquet area. And there, a party happened. And when I walked in there, I knew I was out of place, because I had both arms, both legs, And the camaraderie and energy and excitement that was occurring amongst those who were participating and those who were giving care. Missing one, two, three, four appendages, certainly quadriplegics, paraplegics. I felt out of place, but what surprised me and what energized me was what a sense of excitement that they provided because they were a community, a community that contained laughter and common values. It was how they were with one another that transcended what my eyes saw and that my presuppositions brought me into that room with They were so accepting. And then a leader asked me, asked me to say a prayer as the food was brought in. Part of me thought, what a privilege to represent our denomination in that setting. Another part of me, how do you capture How do you capture a different kind of race that is being run amongst all of those in front of you? 
How do you affirm their struggle and be grateful for their sacrifice and express gratitude for the warm-heartedness of the owner of the restaurant that provided all of this without charge? How do you wrap it up? How do you embrace, this, embrace it all with the love of God through Christ Jesus? After my prayer and after the meal, the gentleman who brought me there transported me back to where I was to spend the night. I was so impressed how he handled that downtown DC traffic, somewhat like we have here in Seattle. A lot of hub and bub movement and forward and he negotiated. He negotiated the stoplights and the moving traffic in and out so well. And I asked him, I asked him about his volunteer caregiving role. And what he did was he pulled up his sleeve and exposed his prosthetic arm and the fingers that looked so real that were grabbing the, uh, the steering wheel adeptly, safely. And then he lifted up his right leg pants and there was his prosthetic right leg, of which he again skillfully managed the gas pedal and the brake and I was amazed. I was amazed at being so unaware that he himself had these challenges. Not a person of many words, he simply said, here. I've been there. I know what it's like to keep on when it's not easy to keep going on. Even to walk, much less to race. And then he concluded by saying, I am glad I can help. It's what I am. It's what I am. Humbled, humbled that moment, still carrying the spirit of that inside of me. The spirit of the book of Hebrews can be found in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians as he wrote in the second chapter. Look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. My beloved, my beloved, God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, holding fast the word of life, not to run in vain or labor in vain. A beautiful, beautiful verse. So we, you and me this day, graced. Graced to prepare the way, to prepare the way of the Lord what is before us, and to become that cloud of witnesses for those who follow us, assured and confident that we are children of God, that in baptism we became that child of God, and that we are nurtured as we are again this day through the presence of Jesus Christ in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. Having received this wonderful grace 
from the perfecter, from the perfecter, who endured the cross and is seated at the right hand of God. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. That's what we, it's what we, the cloud of witnesses today, it's what we are. Amen. We give confession to our Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins,
the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please remain seated or kneel if you prefer for the prayers. Trusting in God's extraordinary love, let us come near to the Holy One in prayer. You crown your church with steadfast love and mercy. Guide us continually in our baptismal covenant to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Use our diverse gifts in service to the whole people of God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You satisfy the needs of all creatures. Protect the habitats of fish and birds in the Salish Sea, the Duwamish River, and all seas and rivers. Repair ecosystems damaged by misuse, neglect, or national disaster, that all creation may thrive. Lord, in your mercy, you make your ways known to all people. Inspire the rulers and leaders of nations with your compassion and mercy. Raise up activists and community organizers to restore places affected by violence, poverty, and inequality. Lord, in your mercy, you provide justice for all who are oppressed and relief to all who are afflicted. Heal those who are bent over by addiction, depression, and anxiety. Set free all who cry out under the weight of mental, emotional, or physical distress. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You call us to delight in the Sabbath. Renew our bodies, minds, and spirits in this worshiping assembly. Give rest to all who lead our congregation in worship, study, and service. Lord, in your mercy, for whom or what else do the people of God pray? Hear our prayer. With thanks for the wedding of my niece, Brooke, and her wife, Isa. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, in your mercy. God of loving kindness, we pray for each person gathered here among us today that you will be with them in their joys and their challenges. We pray for Kyle's brother-in-law, Dick, for Lisa's mother, Eunice, for the family of Susan's friend, Annie, for Peggy's colleague, Renata, Peggy's friend, Joy, 
the Vega family, Candy's sister-in-law, Elena, John's sister-in-law, Marcia, Pat's sister, Donna, Heidi's cousins, Melissa and Dennis, Georgina, the Unsets, Jessica and her parents, John's friend, Joan's cousin, Christine, Karen's brother, David, John's son-in-law, Jim, Owatash, Mulageta, Jan, Pastor Dan, Ruth, Richard, Ben, Jean, Hildy, Lee, Mary, Barb, Carol, and Denny. Lord, in your mercy. Generations bless your holy name. We give you thanks for the communion of saints who have gathered in prayer and praise in this place. Support us in your love until we rest forever in you. Lord, in your mercy. Receive the prayers of your children, merciful God, and hold us forever in your steadfast love. Through Jesus Christ, our holy wisdom. Amen. Let us rise now as you are able for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death in the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels and with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. The night in which, was, in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after the same manner also, he took the cup, and when he had supped, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Lord, inspire us to work toward your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Please be seated. I'd like to read this as you are probably very familiar. In this place of grace, all baptized Christians are welcome to the table of grace. If you wish to receive from the pew, you may do so using your communable under my direction in a moment. Otherwise, we invite you to come forward and receive by intinction. Simply take the bread that you receive and dip it into the wine or the grape juice on the farthest left. For those receiving in the pew, you'll first peel off the bottom tab to eat the bread and then peel off the top tab, the top tab to drink the wine. Christ is among us to receive the bread of life. Those in the pew, uh, please take your bread. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And now take the cup containing the wine or the grape juice. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Hold 
We pray. Life-giving God, through this meal you have bandaged our wounds, fed us with your mercy. Now send us forth to live for others, both friend and stranger, that all may come to know your love. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Are there any announcements from the congregation at this time? Again, thanks a lot, Carol Ann. Now receive the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Ascending him, we join together. Thank mm-hmm. you.